Few things are harder than the mission of raising your kids. At The Dad Project, we get experienced dads to reveal what's worked for them, offering practical, time-tested advice. Being a successful dad is tough, and we're here to help you get it done. Welcome to The Dad Project. This episode of The Dad Project is the first in a two-part series on successfully raising daughters. In part one, Colin Brady offers practical advice on how to be the dad your daughter needs you to be. Colin is an animator, animation director, and entertainment industry executive based in greater Los Angeles. He and his wife have one son and six daughters. These are actual quotes from random strangers in the grocery store when taking four of my daughters shopping. You know how this happens, don't you? You know, science has a cure for this. Oh, they're cute now. Just wait till they're teenagers. You know, doctors have this thing that can spin around and separate the males and the females. Looks like payback from how you were in high school. One older woman said to me, four daughters, you don't have a chance. And she cackled and walked away. Why is it that most of society thinks this way? I used to think this way before having our first daughter. I remember coming home from the doctor's office after seeing the ultrasound of our first healthy baby and frozen with fear, the doctor's words were still ringing in my ears. Looks like a girl. Later that night, sitting on my porch with a drink in my hand, looking at the skyline north of San Francisco, I remember thinking, what in the heck did I just get myself into? Who can possibly raise a healthy daughter in this society? All men are jerks, women are everywhere in billboards, and who's my daughter going to marry someday? Well, my wife reassured me that it was a little early to start thinking of my daughter's wedding, but I knew that I did not want to be a failure being a good dad. But I knew that if I was a failure as a dad, or that I simply wasn't there for her, I might as well be throwing her to the wolves. Six daughters later, I can happily say that they've turned out much better than I thought possible, in large part due to the good advice that I've been given and that I hope to share with you today. Without going into all the statistics and science, I think everyone can see in their own lives that families have broken down, fathers are increasingly more absent, and there's an increase of sadness and loneliness in our society. From ancient cultures to the present, often males are preferred to females. Girls continue to be aborted in large numbers, and as the family goes, so does society. So why is there this problem today in society? Well, there certainly is a breakdown of family, statistically, but society has normalized single motherhood, and often dads are played as the idiots on TV shows. Women reduce themselves on social media, and I put a lot of the blame on men. Our own actions and what we buy and what we say and what we look at directly affect the world, most of all, not being good role models for our daughters. We need to be the men in their life, that we give them unconditional love so they don't replace this need for a man with some loser. But there are some bright lights of encouragement and other fathers I met who had daughters. Some of them would say, there were some other very good examples of families that I found and the advice from fathers telling me, you know, the best day of my life was when my daughter was born. And the next best day of my life was every day after that. With daughters, they'll always be there. They'll always be affectionate. They won't move away from home. They'll take care of you. They potty train earlier. They learn to talk earlier. And you'll never be uncared for. Well, what's the goal here? What's the goal to all of this? The goal is to increase the possibility that you will have happy and healthy daughters. It's not just a roll of the dice. 
So let's jump into some practical suggestions. There are four topics I want to discuss. Number one, find good role models. Number two, one-on-one time with your daughter. Number three, learning to love your wife more. And number four, self-improvement. First one, finding good role models. Role models can be families, teachers, coaches, mentors, or friends. Finding a good role model may seem tricky if you're not already part of a large community or organization. In our case, we visited the local school that our children might attend when they get older, and we observed a parent-teacher association conference, and we were able to see one particularly outstanding family who was very articulate and uh, someone who we wanted to be like, and we introduced ourselves, and that led to a lifelong friendship. In other cases, just going to parties with other families, with young children. It's a very good way to see how the family dynamic works. I knew of a, of a family whose toddler had slipped and wasn't hurt, but needed, a, needed help getting up. And the mother said to the husband, let's wait a couple seconds to see what other children come to the aid of this child. And I thought that was a wonderful example of finding which families are raising their children whose instinct is to serve others. One of the fathers of a large family we admired told me, you know, you really only have to get the first two children right, and then it all trickles down from there. And we've learned that there's some truth to that, that healthy families develop a family culture, a responsibility towards others, a spirit of giving that holds them together, and it's evident long before preschool. Many healthy families develop a family mission statement, some positive statement that is something they can repeat and, and help bind the family together, such as serve others even when you don't get something back. Or the less we focus in on our own happiness, the happier we are. Finding good role models doesn't simply end with finding good families. Finding good clubs, activities, lectures, not only for children, but of course for the parents. One of my favorite lectures I attended was about the Myers-Briggs personality test. This is a fairly simple test with 16 categories of personality types, from introvert to extrovert, how you interpret the world, how you act on the world, how you categorize the world. And this is important because every single child is different. Even identical twins have different, distinct personality traits, and our job as parents is to magnify and to bring out the good of that personality trait. If they're an introvert or extrovert, or if they're talkative, or if they're a thinker, or if they go with the flow, not all children are born to be the CEO, or the teacher, or the thinker, or the doctor, or the lawyer. Our job as parents is to bring out the best in their traits they've been given and recognize where they need to grow. This test is something that's been a very helpful tool, especially with six daughters with very distinct personalities. It's a wonderful topic of conversation I'd highly recommend. Learning your personality type, helping magnify your strengths and diminish your weaknesses. One of the fathers of a family we admire gave a talk about social media. And simply put, social media should be left in a public space, if at all, in a house. We don't allow iPads to be in rooms with closed doors. We, of course, limit the iPad time. We are in control as parents of how much social media time, computer time they get. And it's a wonderful tool to encourage homework and chores before they have this small reward. But keeping social media out in public, in a public place like the kitchen, is a very healthy practice 
not only for children, but also for us as parents. The second topic is one-on-one time with your daughter. Early on, when one of my daughters was very young, I had trouble communicating with her. She seemed stuck in a dream world. Uh, Not in a sad way, but just in a distant sort of way. And I asked a friend, do you think it's because I'm not as strict as I should be? Should I be a tougher dad? And his advice was, absolutely not. Just go on a hike with her. She'll never forget it. And that turned out to be great advice. There's something about hiking, looking forward, looking around in nature that allows someone to open up and talk freely. It's important to not necessarily have any agenda, no virtue-driven goal, just carefree timelessness. Spending time with each other allows for natural conversations to bubble up. Well, this tradition extended long into high school, and even now to this day, I find driving with somebody one-on-one, looking forward, allows for the freest conversations to happen. I remember the same daughter when she was still very young. She said, Dad, you know, I think I know all of the swear words now. And I said, oh, really? What are they? And then she just listed off one by one all the words she knew. And I said, wow, those are a lot of words. Well, we don't say those words in our family. And we, we agreed and kind of laughed it off. Well, that's also kind of translated into a tradition in our family we call a daddy-daughter date. When they get older, whether it's a special occasion like a birthday or just the daughter that's in most need of one-on-one time, we started a tradition of going out, whether it's for yogurt or lunch, and just having this this timelessness together to talk about anything that's on our mind. During this time together, it's important that We are the men in their life. They shouldn't have any need for another masculine example or or if they're lacking attention, we should be providing the attention and the advice of how to dress, dressing so that men look at your eyes, not your body. I'd often remind them that I too was a 14-year-old kid. It's very easy for our eyes to wander and we don't need much encouragement. So always dress so that a boy looks at your eyes. In our house... We don't encourage dating in high school. We delay dating as much as possible. We encourage getting together uh, with groups, going on group dates, boys and girls, going to parties. But we discourage one-on-one time as much as we can without being domineering, but just explaining that, that if a boy doesn't have his castle, it's too early to look for his princess. In terms of wearing makeup, we don't discourage that either, but I often tell my daughters they look better with less makeup. I think it's important they have responsibility for doing tasks around the house that they are responsible for. And lastly, here's a bit of strange advice. I would encourage us to believe your daughters even when they're lying. Yep, believe them even when they're lying. Their conscience will tell you the truth given enough time and with a little bit of nudging. Rather than coming down like a ton of bricks on a lie or a half-truth, encouraging them to... Maybe you go think about that a little bit more and get back to me with with more specific details or perhaps there's a clearer version of the story you want to tell me later. That's always seemed to work in our family. I would encourage you to offer to drive when your children have a field trip. There's something amazing that happens when a parent is driving the car. As far as the children are concerned, the parent disappears, is no longer there, and the kids start talking about all the kinds of things that are happening in school, who's popular, what's going on with their teachers. You get a window, a very rare window, to exactly what's going on, unfiltered in the day in the life of your child. The third topic is loving your wife more. 
Your wife should be the first priority in your family. And how you treat your wife sets the tone for the masculine example in your daughter's life. More than any words or advice, your children learn by observing your actions. Your wife is the most honest mirror you can have in your life and a good person to give feedback to our own deficiencies and strengths. If your children talk back to your wife, it's important they know that they are insulting the most important person in your life. So showing that you have a very healthy defense of your wife, including laying down your life, if necessary. More simply put, opening doors, serving her first, treating her like the queen of your house. The fourth and final topic is learning to improve ourself. We need to learn to clean our own houses. We want to have the kind of house that any kid could come visit and come over and there won't be any danger. Children need a safe place to explore, have their imaginations grow, and a place to meet other families, to be the house where families can gather and to know that their children are always safe from harm. Children are naturally more joyful when they are in a safe and loving environment. Here is where their imaginations thrive. We need to guard our eyes, publicly and in secret. Perhaps the most heroic thing we can do all week is passing a billboard and not giving it a second glance. Improving our interior disposition has a direct effect to our wife and certainly raising our daughters well. We should not allow ourselves to be attracted to any other woman except our wife. We need to guard our eyes against billboards, the internet, strangers on the street, co-workers, not only will our marriage be strengthened, indirectly our children will pick up on that as well. The goal of all of this is happiness. This is to increase the joy here and now and for future generations to come. Happiness for your daughter and for her future family. Happiness for her children, to our society and to the world. Hey, thanks for listening to The Dad Project. If this talk was valuable to you, please go to our website at dadproject.net and make a voluntary one-time or recurring donation to help support our operations. Any amount helps. Catch you next time at The Dad Project.